0: You are listening to episode 37. This episode is brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. Do you feel like when you're on the LinkedIn platform, you're not really sure how to actually navigate it? Does it feel clunky or confusing? And do you have all these connections, but you're not sure how to really leverage those connections and how to really show up virtually in presenting your personal brand? Well, that is what this course is about. Because since September, I've gone from 1,500 connections to about 8,000 connections on LinkedIn. Not only that, I've gotten clients through my content, and people have actually reached out to me to speak for virtual speaking engagements. So, if this is something that you would really like to capitalize on and take advantage of, and learn about then this course is definitely for you and you can learn about it more uh, in my show notes and I will have the link to the waitlist just for you and now on with the show on today's episode I get to interview Roshni Wajaya Sinha and I have to say that this was an absolute treat for me when I connected with Roshni on LinkedIn I was really excited that she actually wanted to be a guest on my show and Not only that, she's another fellow marketer. When I got to check her profile, I realized she had many years of experience ahead of me, and I was looking forward to learning from this episode too. I have to admit that. Uh, I kind of did it for myself in a way, but not only has she had many years of experience, she specializes in doing marketing for people in tech, and that's a very unique type of marketing altogether. So I was really excited to learn about her story and how she went from having so many roles in different companies like Microsoft and Sony and Kobo to creating her own company as well. So if you're interested in tech and if you're interested in startups and marketing, you will love today's episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fiona O'Brien. everyone and welcome to the Okiki podcast. And today I have Rushni Wajaya Sinha, and she is the founder and CEO of Prosh Marketing, and she's also the CMO of Fox Quilt. <laughs> so she has a lot on her resume and plate. And just for some of her recognition, she is actually a charted marketer with the Canadian Marketing Association. Uh, she is the synthesios <laughs> top. Mar- Canadian marketer uh, and fellow on social media. Uh, She's also Microsoft's Woman of Microsoft in 2014, and uh, she has gotten a Sony Ericsson Global Select Award, just to name a few of her accolades. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today. And thank you so much, Rushni, for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So if you don't mind sharing with our audience how did you get into this field of marketing? And how did you get to the place where you're part of two companies at the same time? Um, Please tell us about your educational background and career path.
1: Sure. So back in high school, I started out and I never actually took any business courses. I was really interested in the science part. And I also had a real passion for arts and fine arts. And so Uh, I thought that that was my path until I discovered that there was opportunities to use some of those skills in non-traditional ways. My parents have been entrepreneurs and they're business people, and they really recommended for me to follow a business career. And so um, I listened to them and I did a business degree at Laurier. Three months in, I decided that maybe the course of action, actually not three months, Maybe after the first year um, I did all the courses and I thought I was going to get into finance and accounting just like my dad, but um, I was struggling at school and I finally got a co-op position that was a finance position and within the first day I could figure out that that wasn't for me. And so I begged my boss Hmm. and I'm like, please, what else is there to do? I don't want to fail out of my program can you give me a different job? And she uh, allowed me to be a sales and marketing coordinator and gave me some other tasks on the team and rotated some different tasks. And I was able to really try marketing out for the first time. And it was really exciting for me. Uh, I worked at Honda in the motorcycle division. And so we got to create a new program called the Junior Red Riders Program, which is still going on today. So um, for young motorcycle riders. And so that really got me interested. And I did a bunch more co-ops and I continued at Laurier. After Laurier, I went into the field. I worked at um, Cazette and I was at Cosette for a little bit because that's an ad agency. And after Cosette, we moved over to Canwest. And at Canwest, I was working on the digital marketing side. And that was my real first foray into digital marketing. And it started to excite me. This was really early in the digital marketing days when it was like banners and microsites, and that was pretty much it. Um, and so from Can West, I moved to Microsoft. And at Microsoft, I was awarded the opportunity to work on the MSN business. And MSN was my life in undergrad. I used to be on that all the time. That was my main communication method. So I was super passionate about the product. Um, and so they gave me the opportunity to work on the MSN business from a product marketing standpoint. Um, And I learned a ton, but I realized that there may have been a bit of gaps in my um, knowledge. And so at that time, I decided to go back and to uh, look at doing an MBA. So I went back to Schulich, uh, which is at York University, and I did their accelerated program. And at that time, I graduated, and it was the recession. And 2009, there weren't a ton of jobs. Facebook had just launched Facebook chat, so I wasn't going back to Microsoft to work on MSN Messenger. Um, because that was a tough one right there. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was a new market. And so I applied to a ton of different jobs to kind of see what kind of marketing might I be able to do. At that point, I was quite a generalist. And then Mm -hmm. after a while, um, I got a call back from Sony. And so I worked at Sony in the mobile division. It was Sony Ericsson and then Sony mobile later on. Um, And I was there for around four years. And Sony really allowed me to grow from a global marketing perspective. I got to launch a number of different handsets in Canada, but then also work on some really cool global programs like Major League Gaming. And so I was able to take that sponsorship from the US and bring it to other countries um, and then work with global teams. And that really got me excited about marketing on a different level. So after Sony, have moved around quite a bit, which is probably why I am where I am now. But um, after Sony, I moved to Kobo where I was working on e-reader marketing and I was the head of product marketing for e-readers. And two weeks into the job, my boss quit. And so um, at that time we reported right back into the CEO and I started leading the team and that really helped build my career. And for my work there, I was awarded the top 30 under 30 award for marketing magazine Um, and i was really able to build out product marketing um, at the company building out a team processes structure Um, and so over the next three years there i held a number of different roles from within product marketing but changing from the e-readers to tablets to e-readers tablets and apps um, to content Mm -hmm. and so after that um, i really wanted to own a part of the business and so I looked for more of the leadership role and I went to Juice Mobile where I was the head of marketing at Juice. And so at Juice, I was there for about a year. We implemented a couple of global product launches or actually North American product launches for two of their programmatic display uh, ad platforms. And and then I moved to Thinking Capital. Thinking Capital is a company that is based in Montreal and I was working part-time in Montreal, part-time in Toronto. Um, I had a team in both or both cities, which was pretty crazy. And so Thinking Capital was a great opportunity for me to start something from scratch. These guys were previously branded as Advance It and we worked together to rebrand the entire company, change their traditional sales structure and sales um, revenue sources and change them entirely into digital revenue sources. And the company recently sold for nine figures. So it's been pretty exciting on that journey. So after Thinking Capital, I moved to Benecade where um, I was tasked with setting up a digital marketing strategy similar to what we did at Thinking Capital, but really leveraging digital as opposed to traditional sales and helping them launch and develop a new um, digital platform for insurance brokers. So we launched that as well. And that's when I decided to go out and start Prosh Marketing. Uh, I've learned a lot in the corporate world and I wanted to take some of these ideas and bring them to entrepreneurs like my parents um, and like family friends and people that I knew in the industry that could really benefit from some of these big company practices but maybe couldn't afford the big company or big agency prices. So since then, I've been working with startups and small businesses to help them grow. Fox School is one of them um, and we've been working on marketing strategies, go-to-market plans, really figuring out how to maximize cost-efficient budgets and trying to deliver an ROI, not just um, fancy things that look pretty. Hmm. Okay. So that's been keeping me busy. Wow
0: and thank you for giving um, yeah, that really uh, comprehensive visual of, of your background because I feel like a lot of times I want to hear the journey of the entrepreneur. And I am always looking for those details. And I I love getting the real meat and potatoes, not just just the skim of a version of their process. So one of the things I at least was hearing when you're explaining that is how you said you started as a generalist and you're kind of we're seeking more and more knowledge. And so you went through all these different types of companies and these different types of roles and those opportunities for the different types of marketing that was requ- required in those roles. So I really am fascinated by that and, and how you were building up that knowledge um, continuously. And uh, even now in, in um, your new role uh, as the CEO of Fresh Marketing and the CMO, you're still trying to help, uh, other companies who are starting out, uh, to think in different ways and and different strategies, because even strategizing for a smaller, um, company, smaller budget takes a lot in itself. So I really do appreciate how you explained that. And so for you going from all that corporate experience, knowing this is what you wanted to do, and then becoming an entrepreneur, uh, what was the scariest moment for you when you're taking a leap from, from one end to another?
1: I think like most entrepreneurs, it's the fixed paycheck that is the scariest leap. And that's where you really have to believe in yourself and trust yourself that it will grow. So um, I could admit freely that the first few months of my company, um, I didn't have necessarily the BD skills and all of the other skills to do the the job as a a full entrepreneur. I knew how to be a great marketer. But -hmm. being an entrepreneur now requires a lot of other skills, financial cash management, Um, business development, etc. And so I think like really having that confidence in myself was a big part of addressing that challenge, which is, you know, the big scary paycheck at the end of the day, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole bunch of uncertainty, will you make it and 50% of startups fail, they say. Um, Mm -hmm. So if that's a stat that you're going up against. And this is like gonna pay your bills. It's a scary bit.
0: For sure. Yeah. So that was the scariest moment. And what was your biggest obstacle that you were seeing that okay this is kind of what the statistics say what do I need to do then to be successful and like what was kind of the steps that you took towards
1: that so I think like marketing yourself is a totally different beast as opposed to marketing a product or like a physical thing. So marketing services is very different. And so I, had the experience at Juice Mobile of marketing and advertising company. And so understanding that, that's how that worked. I thought that that's how it would work for my business. And so mm-hmm. things that I learned that were different is I get a lot of business now from word of mouth or referrals. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's a huge one to kind of understand because um, it's a very personal service that we offer. So the marketing channels and tactics that might work traditionally might not necessarily work for you. And that all of your organizational knowledge might be great for one situation, but the situation is totally different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that answer, actually. And kind of like you said, <laughs> I just I'll have to re-listen to hear all the different roles you had, because Each marketing strategy is so different in each of those roles. So it's definitely uh, refreshing to hear that from someone else who's in this field. And for you, then, what kind of initiatives did you take to build and create your brand in light of the fact that you said, you know, you offer services and there are other marketing agencies? Uh, What was kind of your idea of going forward and, and setting yourself apart when you stepped into this new role?
1: First, I wanted to look at a segment that was um, unique and a segment that I could serve really well. And so that's where I kind of looked at the startup and small business section, as opposed to going out and trying to get all sorts of business for the marketing company. I really wanted to focus on them. Then I looked at, like, what is their problem? The problem right now for startups is can they afford a full time CMO? Getting a full-time head of marketing is super expensive and most of these companies can't afford it. But then what is the cost of getting a really, really junior resource who's going to run your marketing? You're going to be slower getting to your customer acquisition targets. They're going to be harder. um, And it might cost you more money in the long run. So is there an opportunity to create like a fractional role for a head of marketing and marketing leadership to come in with these companies? And so I saw an opportunity in the market. I saw that no one was kind of looking at that opportunity and I was able to serve that one pretty well because of my experience. Mm. Um, So with that in mind, I kind of created my marketing strategy around crafting Uh, messaging that would target these guys and then looking at like what are the different channels that startups and small businesses are looking at and then who are their influencers are they advisors are their accountants are they their bdc reps um, and then developing relationships with their influencers and maybe it's also their marketing agency. Sometimes they have a marketing agency who's like, I wish you had a head of marketing who would understand what we're doing for you because you have no idea at founder. Um, and so we can often bridge the gap between agency and the CEO. Um, or sometimes it comes in from the juniors and we... I work specifically with York University with a lot of their students um, and a lot of the students now graduate and go into the workforce and they're that junior person and now there's a gap missing and Mm -hmm. they're tasked with the entire marketing plan and strategy uh, reporting into the CEO of a startup or small business Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do. And so oftentimes our relationships there are able to pull us in at the right time to help them bridge that gap.
0: I find this really fascinating um, as uh, and probably by the time this is released, I would have finished this, but I I recently with my friend got into like a pre-launch program with an idea we had. And so I Ooh. find it so fascinating that that's the group that you have chosen to target. There's definitely a lot of need there. Um, I think it's uh, interesting coming from a marketing background, because I think my my brain's more into like the branding and marketing, and I'm learning a lot about the other side of tech, but uh, like how you act are actually helping them with that side. Because yeah, if, if you haven't had that side, there's so much to learn. So it's really cool that that's the segment that you've chosen. And what actually drew you to um, startup and tech, not just for that gap that you're noticing, but is there any like previous experience you had with tech startups and that kind of caught your attention and made you feel passionate about this particular segment?
1: Yeah, I think like specifically all my experience has been within the tech background. So I've been at an insure tech and a fintech. um, And so consumer electronics, which is also a side of technology. So given my background was in tech, that was my first natural move. Um, And that's the startup community. But we work with startups of all kinds. So they might be a services startup. They don't necessarily have to be a tech startup because a lot of these lessons can be leveraged across industries and across verticals as well.
0: Very cool. And um, what was the value that you were hoping to really uh, offer some of these tech startups that that was so different than what they've experienced before in terms of when they're just meeting any other marketer, what was something that you were bringing to them that was a different kind of experience?
1: So I was lucky that I think in 2018 or 2017, I forget the year, but right when I was launching the company, uh, both Thinking Capital and Benecade had nine figure exits. And so my name being attached to those two brought it up from the tech perspective and really highlighted my experience Um, and the fact that it was a similar process that I used for both companies. And now that means that I have like a repeatable process that I can take to other companies and startups.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. And also for you um, in the tech space, now that you've been working with these startups, what are some of the trends that you are noticing in tech? Um, And especially in the season that we're in right now, um, what are some of the emerging industries that you're seeing that, that you're finding exciting and types of projects that you may or may not get to be part of?
1: So I think the health tech sector is something that's really booming right now. I've seen a lot of clients come up in that specific segment, Um, whether it be like IoT connectivity with hospital platforms or old age um, nursing home platforms, or whether it's technology that enables practitioners to practice in a remote environment. There's so many other health tech applications that are really booming right now, um, especially because our government is pumping dollars into that. So I'm seeing that. And then from a trend perspective, I think it's interesting to see a lot of these tech companies move more towards thought leadership in this kind of environment, because selling something in this kind of environment is really hard, because you look maybe a little bit aggressive, and you look like not the nice guy if you're pushing a product when people are hurting. And so I think Like That's something that I've seen really interesting where people are pushing more thought leadership about how companies and ideas can solve problems as opposed to pushing their own products.
0: So it's really changing the landscape of, of messaging a bit. So if someone is thinking of starting a marketing agency of their own or a company of their own, especially maybe coming out of this, I know right now a lot of people are trying to figure out what they're actually passionate about, and I know you went through that journey of, uh, and you you figured it out fairly fast what you like and what you don't like. But for some of the people now going through this season who might be contemplating, maybe I, I should start a business in an area that I'm passionate about. What is your advice to
1: them? My advice is try to get clients, like see test out the concepts, see if you can get clients on board. Even if you have a full-time job, is it possible for you to moonlight? And as you start to get those clients, then you can start to build that and then slowly move away. Cutting the cord from like the corporate world can be tough, but it's okay if you have like a steady revenue that you've already built up. And maybe it's only 50% of your salary, um, Mm -hmm. but ideally start saving um, so that you can support yourself because the worst is if you finally get traction on your business and then now you have to go back to a job because you just can't afford it. So I would say start saving, start to think about the infrastructure and start to build revenue so that eventually when you make that transition, it's not as stark of a a jump. For sure.
0: And was mentorship um, an active part of your transition and learning process as well?
1: I think throughout my career, mentorship has played a big part in kind of making me think about my career moves, making Um, me kind of question myself and understanding like my motivations for why I'm doing things Um, I think like it's always important to look at people who have already done this before and carved a path and like why carve a new path if someone's already done it and so if they can give you great advice I truly value the advice and opinions of business leaders and some of my colleagues and Uh, I really think that they can help you along the way as well. They can be your champion too. They can introduce you to potential clients. So lots of kind of great wins from that.
0: That's awesome. Um, I also wanted to ask if, let's say a startup, yeah, is seeing this interview right now and they're like, oh, I'd love to work with Roshni, but like they're not in the position to get you yet. Or let's say they're trying to pitch so that they can. What would be the process uh, of them being able to connect with you? And what would you suggest to them while they're waiting to connect with you?
1: Yeah, uh, just drop me an email at roshni at proshmarketing.com or visit our website proshmarketing.com and leave us a note on the contact form or link us on social. We're pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, I think in terms of looking at preparation for chatting, the big things that we look for are do you have clear customer objectives? So um, do you know how many people you want to get or how many new customers or clients or leads you need to make the business viable? And then what kind of budget do you have associated with that? And budget can be looked at in a variety of ways. One can be, how much can you afford? Um, Another one could be, uh, how much are you willing to spend out of your customer margin for each customer? So your cost of acquisition, and we can work backwards that way. Another could be, this is how much money we're getting in a grant, for example. So you can work with whatever budget you have. Some budgets are as low as $2,000 and you can do a lot of really creative things, but you just have to know what the goals are and what the budget is. And then we can work together on figuring out a plan on how best to get there.
0: That's great. And, uh, You already mentioned some really cool um, projects that you got to work on that had pretty huge exits there. So I think I'm already at the last question, which is sad for me because I'm really learning a lot. But what do you value the most um, about your role today as an entrepreneur, as both a CEO and CMO? I
1: think I value the opportunity to really help people um, to dive into a number of different companies. Um, Previously, it was great to really develop that expertise within one company, but it's so nice and refreshing to meet entrepreneurs who are passionate about what they do on a daily basis and learn about their companies and be able to share. And it's a bit of like giving and receiving. I learn about their companies, learn about their industries as well. And then I share my expertise and it just feels like a whole ecosystem where I can give back and I can also learn from people. And that's what I love about my day-to-day life. being an entrepreneur is not necessarily the easiest. I thought I would get to sleep in um, and I would get some, you know, weekends off because now it's my gig, but um, there's no sleeping in. There's like a lot more work, but, Um, I'm passionate about it. And I'm really excited about it. So it's totally worth it. You know, every dollar you make goes to your bottom line as an entrepreneur. And I think that's the best part. So if you're a hard worker, this is really something that appeals to hard workers. Mm, Yeah, that's a
0: really good point you made. And it's very true. (laughs) It's a different way to to look at it as well. And I agree. Likewise, uh, I I thought it would be somewhat easier, but it's definitely the opposite. (laughs) You definitely are always at work. Um, Rushdie, do you have any, yeah, do you have any promotions or any launches coming up that you want our audience to know about?
1: Yeah, I'm actually running a survey for World Entrepreneur Day, which is on uh, Wednesday, August the 21st. So um, if you could go to www.proshmarketing.com slash entrepreneurs um, and fill out a quick two minute survey, we'd love to hear from you about your perspectives on what it's like to be an entrepreneur and what it's been like for you and what you think it takes to be an entrepreneur.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Roshni. And where can the audience follow you?
1: They can follow us at Prosh Marketing um, on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much for uh, being a guest on the Okiki podcast. And I've loved every minute of this. So thank you.
1: (laughs) It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.